morning crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto. Gonzo, also known as Super G, is in the building. And we've got Mario, also known as the Node Defender, joining us on this Thursday. So I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how the SEC is publicly stating the judge was wrong in some factors of the Ripple decision, now citing their intentions to further review this court ruling. Elon Musk has officially begun the era of X, announcing Twitter will become X.com. And with the FedNow payment service going live in America, we break down some pivotal connections between Citibank and Ripple. And with the digital transformation of a lifetime already upon us, we break down the details, showing our community how the institutions are creating the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, we got a bunch of great news to get into today. And believe it or not, for our listeners, Johnny will be flipping into the lake this week. So I'm very excited for that as well. But how are you feeling, my friend? Thanks for being here. Man, this is crazy. It's been beautiful abs. Great week. Happy to be here with everybody. Love everybody. Good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out there. Love you. Appreciate you for showing up. It might be a belly flop, but love you guys showing up every day. It's great to see Gonzo, Mario, and everybody out. I'm really excited. Shout out to everybody who's joining us this morning. And Gonzo, we got some really exciting news about Polygon, so I'm excited to share that with our listeners. But before we get into it, how you feel, my friend? Thanks for being here. I'm feeling good. I'm finally kind of getting my voice back, so feeling better. Uh, excited to be here. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. And uh, get to see Mario. I hadn't seen Mario in a while. So, uh, yeah, just super excited. Going to be a great show. Mario, and when we talk about connections that get you excited, we are talking about $5 trillion in tokenized assets that could be running through Ripple. We're going to get to that later in the show. First of all, how are you feeling, my friend? Thanks for being here. Yeah, man, I'm feeling awesome. Super excited to be here. It's the first episode of the week. And, uh, you know, we're all together here at the Lake House. We're just missing Gonzo. But Gonzo, I did make sure to kind of take your spot. And we've got all the security and safety set up so Johnny can finally make that jump into the lake. So it's going to be secure safe he's not going to get injured or hopefully not get injured but everybody's going to get to see it so excited for that absolutely guys but that's in god's hands and with that being said we got 176 live listeners here show us some love smash that like button and thank you for joining us on this thursday we're going to get this thing started the same way we always do by checking out our good morning crypto twitter account that is at 3tgm crypto on twitter we're about 40 followers away from 5,000. smash that follow button to get updates throughout the day when we look at the crypto bubbles this morning, I'm just going to delete this tab because it doesn't load on my laptop. But when we get into the total coin market cap, we're sitting at $1.18 trillion in total market cap this morning. Bitcoin is 48% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 29200 Ethereum, 1866 XRP is back above 70 cents. We were sitting at 72. Now we're down to 70 flat. So this is something we're going to be watching throughout the week. And Cardano sitting at 30 cents. Gonzo, I feel I should also mention Polygon is sitting at 72 cents this morning. And the reason this project has some exciting news is the Italian government just explained a scaling solution that could be running through their network. But we have some groundbreaking information out of America this morning as the United States Financial Services Committee's vice chairman joined Squawk Box and CNBC to discuss crypto regulation and how right now there is a bill to be passed in America clearing up all of the uncertainty when it comes to stable coins as well as crypto assets. 
uh, crafted by the Agriculture and Financial Services Committees. The bills seek to establish a regulatory framework for crypto and spur innovation while protecting consumers and market participants. Joining us now with the details, Congressman French Hill, Vice Chair of the Financial Services Committee and Chair of the Digital Assets Subcommittee. He has an op-ed in the Hill laying out the ideas behind his digital assets regulatory framework. I don't want to get too excited. I actually do want to get excited, uh, Congressman. It, but with this, um, what are its chances? And is, is this finally it? It's bipartisan, right? Well, Joe, uh, good morning. Yes, we've worked very hard. We worked for over a year on a bill with our Democratic colleagues and with the Biden administration to find a pathway to have stable coin legislation, where we actually define what is a stable coin. How are they measured? How are they audited? Uh, how are they reported? How are investors protected? And that bill is one we continue to uh, work on and we will bring it to markup this week. And secondly, we have this regulatory framework overall that deals with what is a digital asset? Is it a security? Is it a commodity? How do you trade those? Where do they trade? Is it traded on a commodity exchange or on a securities exchange? And how are investors again protected and how are innovators able to bring those uh, entities to the market? Who's in charge? Al Haig, do we know who's in charge? Who's in charge of, of crypto? Who's, I think he passed away finally, didn't he? But who, who's in charge <laughs> of crypto yeah. in this country? Is it Kensler? Right. Is it Congress? Is it the CFTC? Do you have any idea? Yeah, what Congress authorizes in these bills is uh, we allow for a stable coin to be issued uh, at the states under a state regulatory scheme that's supervised by the Federal Reserve and Federal Reserve high standards. Uh-oh, Johnny, what I heard in that clip is that U.S. Tether is under fire. They've also been – let me just explain something really quick. I'm going to kick it to you and Gonzo. When it comes to Tether, the entire success of the project is built off the success of the American dollar. Whatever the asset is pegged to is what leads to that asset being valuable. And so Tether's really been piggybacking off the success of the Federal Reserve. In my eyes, I'm not an advocate for the Federal Reserve gaining more control of this market, but to have a stablecoin backed by the bank that launched the U.S. dollar itself – I don't see a safer way to store your value. But Johnny Crypto, I'd love to start with you, and then we'll kick it to Gonzo. Oh, I mean, they just started, man. They put it in the hand. It ain't going to be in the hand. Well, anyway, from a stablecoin perspective, it's not going to be in the hands of the CTFC or in the hands of Gary. It's going to be in the hands of the Federal Reserve, which obviously, if it's a stablecoin, it's supposed to represent the dollar. Uh, then I guess it kind of makes sense. So I think that's what you're going to see, Abs. Is And so, yeah, it's not going to be Tether. Maybe it's going to be USDC. Who knows? There might just be a separate whole thing they come up with and create. But the good news about any of this is the fact that we're actually talking about a bill that's going to pass and it's going to cover two elements. It's going to cover stable coins. And I was so happy to hear him say it's also going to cover the description of what's a security or what's not a security. How do you do it? So we're finally going to get the regularity, regular, uh, <laughs> the clarity that we need from a, a regulatory perspective. So that we no longer have this, you know, flip flop of what it is, what it isn't, who controls. You heard the guy; he's like, "Who controls it?" Of course, he he didn't answer that question, right? Because he only answered the first port portion, the easy part of who controls the stablecoin. I hope there's more to that video where he's going to tell us who's in control of whether it's secured or not. That's going to be a more fascinating answer. Gonzo, anybody who's been following this market for several years knows two things about Tether. Number one is that every time Bitcoin pumps, magically Tether is printed into the open market. But number two is that it's the black swan waiting to happen. 
Do you believe that narrative? Do you think there's going to be a day where Tether actually collapses and we have a new set of stable coins backed by the Federal Reserve or other financial entities that provide more value to the market? What do you think, Gonzo? Um, uh, you know, I don't know about that, Abs. Um, so, like, just to go back to the um, those things. So, they spent all day yesterday, like, going back and forth over several of the amendments. They, they, there was, like, seven or ten. I think at the end of the day, there were two bills that I think eventually made it to that's going to go to the house and those have to do more with structure but like hot off the press i was just reading this morning like right before we got on the show so i'm just going from memory so don't quote me but i believe the stable coin bill got rejected they couldn't agree um it seems like they had a lot of issues with the language in there giving the states the power um to kind of either regulate or create the stable coins um it, it seemed like in the back and forth is some of the stuff that i was watching yesterday uh, the Democrats had a real issue with um, the CFTC being in control of a lot of this market, right? Uh, a lot of the things that they were arguing in the amendments, um, and like I said, two of the bills went forward, but it seemed like that's where the pushback was, that they, they wanted, the, it seemed like the Democrats wanted the control to stay within the SEC and not the CFTC. They claimed it was because of budget issues that the CFTC is not big enough, so they can't regulate it. But I mean, as part of the one of the bills, they talked about like adding a budget to the CFTC if this thing moved forward. Uh, but, you know, the thing with uh, going back to the USDT thing, um, we you know, we've been hearing that stuff since its inception. Um, I think that it's big enough now. I think when it started off, it wasn't they didn't have what they said they did, but they're big enough now to where um, I think they're 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 covered. Obviously, any black swan thing could happen. But like we've all talked about this before, it's not usually what you expect. Like, remember when USDC depegged? Times we we were always thought it was USDT that was going to have the issue because they always talk about that. But it was USDC that actually became depegged because of what happened with Silicon Valley Bank. So I don't think it's that obvious. So I would lean to say that I think they're fine. But you never know what could happen in a black swan. Well, Mario, yeah. what's I just want to kick it to Mario really briefly here, Johnny. One of the things that stuck out to me yesterday is that there's a new emergence in the Bitcoin sector, Saratoshi Nagamoto. And we're going to so we're going to explain that through this video here. This is Brad Sherman, guys. And I want to preface this by saying these are the people creating the laws in Congress. These are the people who are creating the laws in America. Look how misguided they are. Uh, we are told that cryptocurrency is very innovative. Look at the incredible financial innovation of Enron and WorldCom and reflect on the fact that I don't believe that uh, uh, Saratoshi Nagamoto was uh, innovative. Is that even debatable? That's the real question. Is he just spewing pure nonsense or is there any debate here? But guys, we got 326 live listeners here. Before we get into this, I want to ask the live chat. We are going to show you an article later in this episode connecting Ripple and Citibank to tokenized assets. The question I have for our live chat this morning, put a one in the live chat if you believe Ripple is going to start tokenizing assets in the United States by the beginning of 2024. Put a two in the live chat if you think it's going to take more time. But Mario, with the emergence of Saratoshi Nagamoto, does this change your perspective on the market? And was he innovative when it comes to cryptocurrency? Well, I, I agree with, with Mr. Sherman here. I, I definitely think Saratoshi Nagamoto was not innovative. Now, Satoshi Nakamoto, that's a different question altogether. <laughs> definitely think that the Bitcoin initiative, it was in, in, in and of itself innovative, right? It, it created 
I mean, just think about the disruption that it made to the financial systems of the world. It created this new decentralized world, uh, asset class, which then opened the door to other blockchain technologies into crypto. And so I think it, it was innovative, but it's, it is really um, sad and disappointing to see these people up in Congress talk about things in a manner that obviously they don't understand. Um, and you would expect them to understand that of anybody they should understand. But I also wanted to touch on that question with the SEC and the CFTC. I think it doesn't matter which one ends up um, regulating or, or controlling the crypto regulation in the United States, because let's face it, as long as the, the regulatory framework is there and we have clear rules for crypto, it doesn't matter which one is doing them because they're just supposed to be enforcing the regulation and not creating the regulation. So just wanted to add that in there too. Johnny Crypto, I know you had some additional comments, but we're about to break down this article right here right after you give your take. Bank of America says it's difficult to determine the implications of the Ripple ruling for the U.S. crypto industry. And what they're getting into here is how can institutions be involved when they don't have an advantage over retail? We're going to break it down later in the episode. But Johnny, before we get into it, what's on your mind? No, the only thing I wanted to wrap up on the other part was something he said was interesting when he said that they're going to put it in the hands of the states. And that's typically the way the U.S. was built was giving the power to each state. The only problem with that is now every state is going to have a different potential interpretation or ruling of what a stable coin is. So that could be a little bit of a, a nightmare um, that it's going to go state by state. So that that is a little interesting of how they would why they would pass something that's kind of somewhat centralized, but now it's going to be decentralized. So <laughs> Every state might have its own interpretation of it. So we'll see how that whole thing plays out. It's going to be interesting to see how that works. Can I add something, Abs? Yep. You know, at the end of the day, like from what I, I took from it, when, when you watch like the recap and you see them go back and forth and other comments, at the end of the day, it goes back to the same left and right, the same kind of uh, animosity where they're not doing what's best for the people. They're doing what's best for their own party, right? And, and all they're doing is creating this division. And, uh, and all it does is hurt us, right? Um, and, and, and it's crazy because, like, you, you see that, like, these people are, are, like, you know, they get voted into power. They're supposed to be making decisions that are, are best for uh, their constituents. But, like, you know, if he really doesn't believe in Bitcoin or he wants to talk negatively about it, you would think that he would be educated in it, right? Like, if you're going to be able to argue a point, then you should be educated in what it is so that you can argue it successfully. But, I mean, and you see every time that he talks, the kind of things that he says. So, you know, it's a total clown show. Well, it was funny. I was just building on what you were saying. They really do. You said they, they do in the best interest of the party. I would say they really do it more in the best interest of their pocket. It depends on what money's coming in. Right. Don't forget, it's the lobbyists that write the bill, not the congressmen. The congressmen just paid to go and push it. So um, that's one way to think about it. Right. So you can look at it and you can kind of say you can kind of see which pool of money won. You got left money, right money, central money. And uh, obviously, the, the more money you get pushed from areas where you're going to kind of see the agenda. So very interesting to see how this whole thing plays out in the end, though. Very, very interesting. And Johnny Crypto, one of the biggest fake narratives we have going on in the market is that the SEC has won 130 cases. This is simply untrue, and they were actually being called out in Congress yesterday. But I think what's so exciting about these conversations is they're becoming more crypto-friendly by the day. Many of our adversaries are beginning to understand, and it starts with Bitcoin. It always starts with Bitcoin. 
but eventually they're going to understand how this market really operates. And I think at the end of the day, the best technology is what will succeed. And we have a lot of evidence of that later in the episode, but we got 383 live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash that like button. And here's the latest update out of Congress explaining how the SEC is not what it seems. The fact that the SEC has won almost 130 cases, not true. They settled 130 cases and they're confusing and disjointed. And we saw the most recent example of that in the, in the Torres decision in XRP, the ripple case last week. That's why we need to act in this Congress to bring clarity. And we are not gutting of the SEC. We're enhancing the SEC. We're directing the SEC in a bright line way what their mission is. And as noted by the gentleman from New York, we are showing then uh, how it is governed by the securities regime. And if it's not a security, it's governed by the commodities uh, regime. Now, one thing I do find a little bit, I, I don't know if it would be frustrating, but I think un, ungenuine about these conversations is they're only trying to give power to entities that already exist. What I'm looking for is a new conversation where we start to create an entity specifically around digital assets. And when we have articles like these, we're about to show you guys something historic. JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, and Citibank are looking to use crypto technology before a $5 trillion expansion by 2030. And believe it or not, there's much higher numbers within this article. We're talking eight to twelve trillion dollars in new tokenized assets. I think many of that is going to happen. Of that, I think much of that's going to happen outside of the United States. But without regulation, it's all going to go overseas. So I want to start with Johnny. Then we'll kick it to Gonzo. What do you think? With these conversations becoming more important by the day, how far away are we from American crypto adoption and specifically regulation here? Well, I mean, now we're finally starting to move closer. If you have a bill that's in Congress that has bipartisan support abs you're finally starting to move in the right direction that we're getting close so you are going to see it, it, it's now a real conversation if it has real bipartisan support i think you'll end up seeing something maybe happen you know maybe in the next six months six months or so or something like that while they still have control because don't forget right now you know the democrats still have the over 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 uh, you know total power control at the end of the day. If they wait too long to pass something and we end up in 2024 in a new election season and get a different president, it's a whole different game. Maybe then they change stuff. So the, uh, my guess is the Democrats are going to want to push it through quickly now that they have bipartisan support. So I think you're going to see it happening within the next, I don't know, maybe six, you know, it should be close now that they got through the, but you heard what he said. It took them a year. It took them a year to get here. But I think now at this point, it'll move pretty quick, I would imagine. And I want to give an update here from Veteran Crypto as well. He said a regulation bill passed the committee and is headed for a vote on the floor. That's historic in and of itself. I do think we're going to see some uh, some edits or some revelations, whatever they call that. They're going to change this bill. It's not going to go through it as, as it exists today. But the fact that this process has already started, it's a historic time to be involved in this market. And Johnny Crypto, we are getting a very important uh, comment from the live chat here as Charles Hodgkinson is tuning in to ask if you're still an ADA maxi. But before we get Johnny's response here, I'm going to kick it to Gonzo. Sorry, Gonzo, I saw you had a comment, so I'd love to get a uh, comment from you. Oh, no. I mean, just, just to add it, didn't have a specific comment. But um, but yeah, I, I like uh, Veteran Crypto is spot on. I think that, uh, the, you know, it's moved to the House. I, I don't think the House is going to be the issue. I think the big hurdle is in the Senate, right? But like... Like we were saying, I think we're closer than we ever have been before. 
to some type of regulation. Like when you see what's happening with the UK and Mika and all the implementation that's, that's going to happen here in the next 12 months, Singapore, we saw some news yesterday. They've always been a leader in the space. Hong Kong jumped into the fray just a few months ago. And so, you, you know, we keep falling behind more and more. So, you know, Gonzo, we'll really what quick. happens. Yeah. I just want to add to what you said. Every single country you just listed is running a pilot project with Ripple. I don't know if you did that intentionally, but I think that really speaks for itself. I just want to put that in there. Yeah, no, that just goes to show that these guys, you know, they've said it before, their business model was to continue to build outside of the U.S. And that's exactly what they've done. And it's not just Ripple. It's multiple companies that are going to these places that are crypto friendly, that have clear guidelines. Because, you know, uh, Gensler likes to get in front of Congress and talk about, you know, crypto companies and how they're, they're schemers and that their whole business model is set up to like kind of defraud and be nefarious. But in, reaction, in, in reality, it's not that way. These are legitimate companies that want to do things the right way. They just want to know what the rules are. And so if we're not going to give them the rules in the U.S., they're going to go to where they have the rules because you're not going to put in millions or billions of dollars into something just to have the SEC just ruin that. And so it's not surprising that those are the same places that Ripple is at because you're going to see these other companies that do the same thing because they have regulatory clarity. And, and be, uh, you know, regardless of what uh, Gary Gensler like to, likes to say and promote, these companies want to follow the rules. They want to follow the guidelines um, because they want to be, be legit company because they are. You're right, Gonzo and Mario. I want to get your thoughts right here. This is a new article out of Bank of America from this week. And last week we covered a report where Bank of America was supporting Ripple and in the innovation that they've created so far and how they can actually use the RippleNet product for cross-border payments in the U.S. And we're going to get to that within this article. But first of all, they said the American banking giant said Judge Torres' decision did not clarify the regulatory uncertainty issue for United States crypto space. The leading financial institution noted that it's difficult to determine the implication of the court's ruling on the industry. The implications of the ruling are difficult to determine. And of course, they're focused on institutional sales. When we scroll down here and we check out what really got Bank of America flustered, it's that the judge ruled that Ripple's programmatic sales of XRP on digital asset exchanges do not constitute an unregistered security, but primarily because the initial unregistered sales offering and sales to institutional investors had already occurred in the market. What are they saying there? If you sell directly to an institution, it qualifies as an unregistered security. But if you go through a third-party exchange, you basically got the green light from the SEC. We can talk about crypto custody, Mario, and how Ripple just acquired Medico, which could be a caveat to this whole argument. You can go through a custody firm, use that as a third party, and get around a lot of these regulatory hurdles. But I'd like to hear what it means to you before we deep dive this info. Yeah, I think that that's a great observation, Abs. I mean, the, the fact that they got into the, into the custody services, I'm sure we're going to see the exact reasons to why they did that, right? And that could be very well one of the main reasons why they did. Um, I certainly was, I, I was hoping that we were going to see positive things come out of Bank of America, especially be, with all the connections that we've always heard Bank of America had with Ripple. Now, it looks like they're still concerned. They're still not 100% uh, clear with feeling comfortable in participating in Ripple's technology or utilizing Ripple's technology going forward because they still have this uh, concern of XRP being sold directly to them being considered a security. So we're going to have to see what, what what comes out of this legislation. Is it is it going to help with this matter? Are we going to see 
uh, crypto kind of get like a clearer path. The XRP lawsuit or the XRP classification from Judge Torres, I think it, it's been a tremendous help. It's definitely a move in the right direction. We've been able to determine that a lot of cryptocurrencies in their current form are not securities. And so we can finally move past that. But there's still so many other aspects of crypto that need to be addressed. And it's sad that it's taking this long. It's sad that it's taking all this turmoil and suffering and, you know, uh, the companies having a hard time having to go seek uh, business outside of the United States because they simply don't want to take the risk. But hopefully this is a step in the right direction. We start to see some clear paths going forward. Gonzo, we got 430 live listeners already here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And believe it or not, we are yet to get to the most important news from today. But I want to give you and Johnny the open floor to respond here. After hearing that Bank of America is, I guess, not happy with the Judge Torres ruling because it annexes institutional investors from getting a discount on the assets for retail, what does that mean to you? Is this disingenuous? That's a real question. No. So, I mean, my just my opinion is this, right? So, for us... And for the exchanges, we got the clarity that we needed, right? That's why we're all happy because, it, you know, she ruled that, you know, the underlying asset XRP is not a security, secondary sales, not a security. What it kind of messed up is this institutional part of it, right? So I could see why B of A is still a little bit hesitant because that hasn't been clarified now, right? Direct sales to institution like B of A can be considered a security. And like I was saying earlier, these companies don't want to cross the SEC. They want to do things the right way, even though we know it's funny because when you look at the banks, right? Like you see something like this where, where B of A, it seems like they're being nervous because they don't want to cross the SEC. But we know that the banks get fined billions of dollars every year when it comes like to money laundering and other things where they break the law. So it's funny because in some ways they don't care about breaking the law because they know they're going to make that money back in the billions. Maybe this is a little bit different because it's not guaranteed money for them yet. And so that's why they're still hesitant when they're doing the other money laundering stuff. They already know they're going to make up the billion. So when they pay the fine, it's all good. I mean, you could see on the news, I think Wells Fargo was the last one to pay a, a bunch of fines for uh, violating money laundering laws and stuff. And I think before that, it was JP Morgan. Uh, but definitely with that part of the ruling not being clear, I, I can see where, where these guys are being a, a tad bit hesitant. But I still think that they're building in the background, right? Because this thing is going to eventually resolve itself. You're spot on, Gonzo. I really agree with them. <laughs> There's no rebuttal here from me because I think most of that is spot on. And listen to this update from Bank of America on specifically the technology developed by Ripple. Bank of America heaped praise on Ripple's XRP offerings. The leading financial institution touted Ripple's XRP as unique. Bank of America's recent report that came out a few weeks ago said that financial institution recognized Ripple's efforts in cross-border settlements, and Bank of America even highlighted the ability to facilitate cross-border settlements using blockchain technology. And Johnny Crypto, I want to read one brief comment here from our, our solid, loyal listener here, Veteran Crypto. He said, it's good that the U.S. is passing legislation last because it's going to force them to be more favorable. Other countries will have passed favorable legislation, and to compete, they're going to need a similar agenda. A lot. I just threw a lot at you, Johnny. So why don't you feel free to answer whatever's on your mind? Uh, I think that the the most important part here is the the fact that actually we did get clarity in both sides, both on the retail side and on the institutional side. And the reality is, Bank of America just doesn't like it because of the fact that it did pass the Howey test and it was deemed a security in the way Ripple went and proceeded. And so therefore, the problem is if they're gonna use it, 
Ripple's going to have to register it as a security. That's the problem. And so now the question is, if Ripple doesn't go and register as a security, you may it may be hard to see institutional adoption because of that. So that's going to be a, a challenge for Ripple right now when you look at it in the long run. I mean, yeah, retailers can buy it, but I'll be honest, I don't give a crap about retailers. None of you should because that ain't going to really drive the price. Uh, you're going to need institutional adoption of this thing. And this could be problematic if, if we don't get it resolved. Now, maybe with the, the rules and laws that come out, that may provide some clarity and that may change it. But again, we're not going to know what this bill, final bill looks like until it goes to the Senate and passes all of Congress. And like you said earlier, there's no doubt whatever's written today is going to get changed, especially on the floor in Congress. What that looks like in the end, I don't know. But the reality is right now, XRP and Ripple has a challenge in terms of institutional adoption potential. I mean, you're, you're, I couldn't agree more with you guys. Give me something to d- disagree with here this morning. I'd love to get a little argument. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, guys. And this is the latest update from Raul Paul, who is a former advisor for JP Morgan. And this guy's quickly becoming one of the smartest people in the space. But first of all, we got 442 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And here's some really good news for our community. Merlin is live. The beta testing went live last night, and we've heard only good things. So we're going to discuss that later in the episode. But staying on XRP, here's the latest update from Raul Paul. There's this weird narrative from the past about Ripple. The point being is, even if you have to settle a lawsuit and get a slap on the wrist, Ripple plays actually quite an important role. It's a money transmission network, and it does quite a good job of it. And it has deep connections with global governments around the world and has worked really hard on it. Um, so there, there is a reason the chain is valued as highly as it is. And it's not from speculative speculation. Because actually, you know, it got, it got taken off a whole bunch of exchanges because of the lawsuit. It's actually because when I use my net cost law model, the amount of value that gets transacted on the chain is very high. It's being used. So I think if you lift the the the, uh, the the legal issue, probability is is that the value of the chain increases significantly. And you know, as the world moves towards central bank digital currencies, I think the XRP network is going to be somewhere at the centre of all of that. And so, Gonzo, the reason I played that video, so yeah, bro, my, oh, one second. The reason I played this video, guys, is because the monkey is off our back, as Johnny Crypto likes to say. We waited almost three years for this lawsuit to be over, and still many people in the community are unsatisfied. But believe it or not, the price action is not what's most important. It's articles like we're going to go through right now, Gonzo, that really stick out to me. And Bank of America not, not being a public adversary of Ripple is par for the course. If they're going to use the technology, it's like Johnny Crypto always says. We showed you guys the MoneyGram patent with Ripple on the with XRP on their patents. Johnny Crypto said himself, 25 years as an engineer, they use this technology for beta testing. That does not mean they're going to implement the product. But when it comes to Ripple Gonzo, they've got some of the best partnerships in the world, and they just launched a central bank digital currency in Palu. So what do you think? With the monkey off our back, is this the end of the dark days for XRP, I would say? Oh, yeah, I think so, definitely. Um, you know... I, I think that the yeah the worst days are are behind us. Even if you looked at the TA on it, where the major trend line is, even if we had a major correction, I think it's at about like forty five cents. Um, so I think the days of seeing unless a major black swan 
right? Anything is possible in the matrix where, you know, you're seeing that low 20 cent, 30 cent level. I think those days are gone. Um, but like what Raul Paul's talking about is like the network effect, right? It's, it's, it's the value creation by the network being used, multiple use cases, multiple things being built on it. And I think eventually what's going to happen is the price action will catch up, right? We just have to be patient. Uh, um, you know, right now we're, we're um, kind of like in this phase where Bitcoin still kind of rules the market. It's kind of like the energy. But is it always going to be that way? Probably not. You know, one of these is going to eventually kind of, I think, take that role. Uh, but for now, that's what we have. And so as Bitcoin goes, the rest of the market goes. But it won't always be that way, right? It's going to eventually um, change and there'll be another one. All you have to do is go back and look at all the different cycles. And there's always a different top five, top 10. Besides, you know, we've always had like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and then XRB has been in that fray. Um, and, you know, finally, with the resolution of the lawsuit, um, that's just going to be, you know, more things to come for, for XRP as far as like total market cap and where it goes in its position. And I want to give a shout out to one of our loyal listeners here. Yeah, bro, Mike, you deserve the shout out. You are here every day. And Mario, I'd like to get your thoughts on this latest update out of Stuart Alderati before we get into some more important news here. But this is something that I think all of our XRP holders should be aware of. When Stuart Alderati, the lead lawyer for Ripple, was asked whether the ruling meant that American banks would return to use Ripple's ODL product, he said, I think the answer is yes. I think we're hopeful that this decision would give financial institutions as well as customers and potential customers comfort to at least come in and start having conversations about what problems they're experiencing in their business, as well as real world problems in terms of moving value across border without obscene fees. Hopefully this quarter will generate a lot of conversations in the United States with customers. And hopefully that's like the 10th time he said, hopefully here, some of those conversations will turn into real business. So Mario, I just wanted to close this out. We got like 470 people here and there's a video I'm very excited to share. I don't want to give it away yet. We are going to talk about aliens at the end of the episode as well. So stick around if you believe in aliens. But Mario, sticking on this Alderati news, what does it mean to you? Quarter three, are American banks coming around? Um, I'm going to say hopefully for the 11th time. <laughs> but um, yeah, I look, I, it's hard to answer that question because- Whenever I think about the solution that Ripple has for banks, it, it is so apparently it's so apparent that that it it it's um, the banks need it, and the only concern I have in my mind is is the system going to allow for Ripple to come in and facilitate that problem or facilitate that solution uh, because the the middle people still would need to make their money, and so I have no doubt that Ripple has a great technology. I have no doubt that they're Solving for a great problem as cross-border payments is massive. There's huge uh, delays and very high fees when, when we talk about transferring money overseas. Ripple has a solution that can tackle all of that. It can be good for the consumer. It can be amazing for, 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 the, for, the, uh, for the banks because now they can offer better customer service, faster services, cheaper, um, make profits on those fees. And so, but... When it comes to the full adoption, I really think it's going to come down to the inner workings of, of the governments for them to allow Ripple to come in and, and get involved. And for the people that are not excited yeah. about XRP and what came out of XRP, I mean, it's the people that were expecting this massive price appreciation because as it stands now, Ripple uh, XRP is the only token technically on paper 
uh, with clarity. So I think that's something yeah. to be very excited about. Love that, Mario. And you're right, because we actually asked Brad Kimes an important question. It, or Sorry, Jeremy Hogan was the interview. Is there any uh, litigation specifically giving Bitcoin a free, a free pass in the United States? The answer was no. The answer was no. All of it's an opinion. Gary Gensler giving it a free pass is not the same as having a bill passed. And I want to address this comment right here from RTO. If you aren't aware of Project Bluebeam, please don't talk about aliens. That's like... In conspiracy course number one, my friend. I've definitely heard of Project Bluebeam. But I do want to get into this news right here. Citibank's head of digital assets says that having a system that is always on like a blockchain is a big priority for the bank's clients moving forward. The digital first e economy that we're moving towards is very important, says Citibank. As our clients embark on this digital journey, being able to move money 24-7, 365 in a programmable fashion has always been what we really wanted to enable for our clients. And now, Johnny, the reason I'm reading that Citibank connection is because we're about to talk about Citibank, Ripple, and Volante all coming together to leverage cross-border payments. But before we do, I got a very brief video here describing the NDAs that Ripple signed with their partners and how Citibank, well, they may be on that list. So what are we learning? So we've got two who announced um, projects, and then we've got five under NDA. Um, Royal Monetary Authority of Bhutan is a real CBDC. So there's a central bank, and they've issued a currency, and that's very much uh, at decent stages at the moment. And Palau is actually a US dollar stablecoin. So Palau has its own government, but no central bank. So they use the US dollar. So we're issuing um, on the public blockchain, on public XRP ledger, a USD stablecoin for this country to use. That's actually quite interesting for innovation because there's other things can be done with that. Cool. Johnny Crypto, you are an expert when it comes to this type of stuff. I just want to get a, uh, I guess it's an opinion from you, but you can probably like speak to this more than I can. When he's talking about the NDA process and how there's five pilot projects that are currently under NDA, does that mean that they are working with governments? Does that mean they're working with banks? What does it really mean when he says that they're signing NDAs but leveraging Ripple's tech? Um, it means that they are going into potential trials. Uh, or they, It means that they've got some kind of agreement to work together to test something. So they want to do some technology assessment or they want to maybe build something together or they want to talk about ideas that they have and how they might be able to leverage somebody else's you know, their technologies to enable it. So you sign an NDA agreement. So that means anything they say is confidential and they cannot share it with anybody. They can't talk about it. can't put in newspaper articles. You and I aren't going to hear about it. We're not going to be reading about it on Good Morning Crypto because they're not allowed to, to discuss it at all amongst anybody other than the parties themselves. So that's good and bad news, right? So the bad news is we're not going to get any details. The good news is if you know that parties are working with companies that are connected to the Ripple technology, that means there's probably some discussion about, hey, how do we leverage this technology, right? That's the hope. Um, but you can't say for certain. It, 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 there could be tons of different things they're trying to do. But that's certainly one conclusion you can and people will draw. And But, yeah, at the end of the day, the NDA just says, I'm going to talk to you. You're going to talk to me about something, and we can't tell anybody what it's about until the NDA expires. Typically, NDAs can expire one, three, or five years or typical confidentiality. So after that period of time, then you could publicly talk about it, but it's usually you know way too late at that point. Thank you, Johnny Crypto. And what I'm really excited to show our listeners is what we're going to break down right now. 
Earlier this week, we had the FedNow system go live. I believe it was on July 20th. Well, now we're talking about Ripple Partners potentially being involved with this, with this technology. And I want to ask our listeners, if you're interested in the alien conversation, throw a one in the live chat. If you want this to be totally crypto-focused, throw it too, because we can do both on this show. But with that being said, here's a brief breakdown explaining how Volante and RippleNet enable a brand new ODL system. But is your financial institution ready for this revolution? With Volante Technologies as your trusted payments modernization partner, you can easily meet this challenge to change. And now, Volante offers the easiest and quickest way to FedNow. You can have your 24-7 year-round service up and running without core changes, letting you focus on building better customer-centric services faster than your competition. Volante's FedNow solution is available both on-premise and as a service in the cloud. It's ISO 20022 native with built-in real-time capabilities and active-active deployment. A modern solution built for an ever-changing payments world. And Volante makes it easy for you to get to market quickly with over 300 APIs and services available right here, right now. Best of all, Volante's solution for the FedNow service is extensible to ACH, Fedwire, Swift Cross-Border, and TCHRTP all built to grow with your business. Volante's secure and reliable payment. And that's really all I wanted our listeners to see. But here's why I showed you that tweet or that video. Volante's payment service is a service and underlying low-code platform processing millions of mission-critical transactions and trillions in value daily. Real-time ready, API-enabled, and ISO-fluent, Volante's solutions power four of the top five global corporate banks, two of the most two of the world's largest cards in the network, and 49% of U.S. commercial deposits. Johnny, I'm going to read that one more time. 49% of U.S. commercial deposits run through Volante. That's a partner of Ripple. What are you thinking? Well, I think this is where you have to be careful because it's easy to want to draw the conclusion, especially as a Ripple XRP holder, to say, hey, they're working with Volante. That means 49% of everything is going through you know, their partner Ripple, and then that's probably nowhere near the case. I think the thing that's important to understand is so Volante is a payment provider, right? Which means they offer multiple services. And obviously the one they're offering to the Fed now, as we've heard in the past, is not leveraged to Ripple technology. So the question you want to ask yourself is now that Volante is a partner of Ripple, what are they actually doing with that partnership? How are they leveraging it? Where are they deploying Ripple's technology, or are they writing code into their system and creating a solution or an offering so that when they go to these customers and say, hey, we have these real-time payment providing solutions, right, which one they have right now, which doesn't leverage Ripple, the question is, do they have one that does at Ripple, and, and, and where is that being used? So to me, that is the more important question of what are they doing with the partnership and how are they leveraging that technology? And then are they creating a service for it and are they offering it to customers? That's when you'll see me get excited. This is an article that got me really excited. Johnny is Volante, a ripple processing module will provide transactions for a large number of banks globally. And we've got Citibank actually referencing this system and indirectly referencing some of ripples technology. Volante's payment processing solutions are already an integral part of our payments and transacting banking platforms. 
Using this technology will allow us to serve our clients even better by catering to their complex needs. That's from Citibank. And remember, we just read this article right here where Citibank said they are focused on 24-7, 365 programmable payments. Citibank also reported that $5 trillion worth of real-world assets could be tokenized on blockchains by 2030. Gonzo, we're drawing some connections here, a little bit of conspiracies, but I do think this is valid. Looking at what Citibank is talking about here and discussing Volpay, which is a Ripple processing module, I think the connections are fair, but what does it mean to you? And then we'll kick it to Mario. Yeah, you know, Abs, I, I'm not well versed in like Volante or, or some of that stuff, but I, I would agree with Johnny, whereas, you know, it, it seems like it's a very good partnership, but when you look at it, uh, a lot of these things end up being like third-party connected, things like that, or it's a partner of Ripple and they're working with that partner, but, you know, what is Ripple's involvement, like Johnny was saying? Are they actually building tech? What are they rolling out with? So I, it seems like on the surface, like it's it's really good. Um, and I, I don't doubt that um, the more we see these stories, the, the more that we see these partnerships, eventually something fruitful is going to come of it, right? They're going to continue to build out just like they did outside of US. And now with some regulatory clarity, they're going to start to build out within the US. And then eventually some things are going to um, grow from that. And so for me, overall, it's just bullish for, for, for XRP over time, right? Time will tell. Hey, Abs, I think what you had up there was important. You bring that tweet back up. Volpay, that's kind of what I'm talking about. So you can see Volante has created a product called Volpay, right? And they're going to be, and, and you can see kind of in the chats there, yeah, to the right where they were talking about XR. Yeah, there you go. Sourcing XRP as a settlement asset during the transaction. So that's what I'm talking. That's what should get you excited is, okay, now you know that they have this product called Volpay that is leveraging XRP or Ripple's technology. Now the real question becomes where and who is using Volpay? Is Citibank using Volpay? Is Bank of America going to use Volpay? Is Volante pushing Volpay? How much interest is Volante getting? For people knocking on the door saying, hey, we want to use Volpay. That is the kind of stuff we want to keep an eye on now and keep tracking forward. Because if you hear a lot of interest in Volpay, well, guess what? That's a great sign then for XRP that the long, because, you know, the more people adopt and use Volpay, well, that's going to drive more and more use of XRP. So keep an eye now that you know on Volpay. And, and that's what we really want to see is what is happening. How hard is Volante pushing that product? Uh, you know, are they still working on it or did they develop it? And it's just flopping around. That is what you want to know. Mario, one of the things we've talked about for a long time is how XRP and XLM move in correspondence with one another. And Bearable Bull and Blockchain Backer, as well as Waters Above, are great when it comes to these types of discussions. And what Waters Above is telling us is that XRP, sorry, XLM was going to go from about six cents at the bottom of the bear market, have a massive rally all the way to 17 cents, and then make a lower low here guys we are talking about going down all the way below five cents according to these charts do i agree not necessarily but i'd like to have a discussion about it so mario really quickly before we close it out here we've got two more topics what does this chart mean to you do you think xlm is headed for lower territory obviously xrp has the bullish momentum yeah i mean uh, it certainly could uh, anything is possible when it comes to when it comes to ta um we see time and time again as we look at these charts there's usually a, a, a copy of, of a previous fractal, a previous time frame. And so Waters Above Crypto does a great job with this analysis. 
has been on point many times. But again, these things can get um, these things can, can can overturn and not really turn out the way that that you anticipate many times. So I don't know. It all depends. I think I can definitely see that happening if we have some sort of and we know the charts always tie up with the news. So if there's some kind of bad news around XLM or if there's um, bad news around crypto as a whole and or Bitcoin goes down, we can certainly see the entire crypto market go down along with it. So all those things tie in. I've been seeing a lot of charts um, on Twitter. People are extremely bullish. Like a lot of the people that do chart analysis, they're extremely bullish in the market. They believe that this bear market territory is uh, over. We're in the spring phase. Um, we're heading into crypto summer. And that's not say that's not to say that we're going to go up in a straight shot. But obviously, we're going to have the up, up and downs. So for that XLM chart to really play out, I really think that it would there would have to be some some sort of black swan kind of event in the market or something that creates fear and panic within people to sell off xlm like that because let's face it xlm was severely in my opinion severely severely under undervalued and people should have been picking up some xlm if they believe in the project so to go back to those levels uh yeah it, something crazy would have to happen um you know what it looks like i haven't i haven't seen that tweet yet but it looks like a wyckoff schematic one and it's building a spring so, I mean, I guess to look at the positive, that spring will be the lowest entry that you can get. And right after the spring uh, is like when we take off, right? Like, so the automatic rally is already hit. We create the spring and then we take off and that'll take us into the next accumulation. And, and we're actually seeing this a lot in the altcoins. You're seeing these Wyckoff schematics where they're either creating a spring, which is a new lower low, and then they're taking off or uh, what's called a Wyckoff schematic two, where you don't make a new low uh, but um, you kind of just kind of range and then you kind of take off. If you look at the total market cap of, of all the altcoins without Ethereum and Bitcoin, they're kind of playing out in a Wyckoff schematic too, where they've already made their low and now they're kind of just kind of grinding up. And then eventually we need to break like 450 billion in total market cap for all the altcoins. And that confirms that we're moving kind of into um, a bull run. But um, a lot of the strong altcoins like Solana, Matic, um, and, and some of the other kind of top projects are kind of at support right now, Abs. So I'm not surprised that people are really bullish because usually when we're at support, it means we're going up. And like I said, for the strong projects, they're at support. So a lot of people are buying because they're expecting a rally up. Thank you, Gonzo. And I, got, I want to get a brief update out of you on this news as well. And shout out to Johnny Crypto. The Italians are moving forward. The Bank of Italy has partnered with Polygon and Fireworks to help institutions deal with tokenized assets. I feel like every article I read has that saying right there. Tokenized assets is the center of conversation ever since this lawsuit ended. But Gonzo, how do you feel about Polygon overall and this specific news out of Italy? Yeah, it's funny that we're talking to Polygon because like on our call today with Jackie, that's what I'm going to talk about. It is Polygon, so the Warriors can look out for that on our call this afternoon. But, you know, I'm not surprised when it talks about tokenization of assets, what you need is scalability, right? And with Polygon 2.0 and what they've done, I'm not going to get into the weeds, but with the ZK EVM, the ZK technology, Polygon thinks that they have, whether it's them or one of the other layer twos that implements, but ZK is it. This is the final solution that's going to unlock everything. Because there's two things that you need, right? When we talk about Web 2 and where Web 2 is, right? 
it has infinite scalability and that it has the value of information or the internet of value that can move around seamlessly. That is what Web3 is kind of missing, right? Infinite scalability and then the internet of value or the value moving seamlessly from one layer to another. And Polygon thinks that they've unlocked that with ZK, right? They're going to be able to scale this thing. I won't get into the weeds, but like ZK, whether it's Polygon or one of the other layer twos that's implementing ZK technology, but they think this is the final piece to where we're basically in an era where we're building the infrastructure and we're going to be done with the infrastructure. And then now comes in the dApps, right? If you think about the internet where we were when the internet was created, right? It was a bunch of different networks, right? And if you had to pass information from one network to another, it's like what we have today when we bridge assets. It's kind of like a pain in the ass, right? You got to move USDT from one layer one to another one. You're bridging it. That's how the internet used to work until Web2 came and, and it became seamless. So that's what we're building in the infrastructure right now of Web3. And that's what these layer twos have unlocked with kind of ZK technology. And so once that happens and they've laid that infrastructure foundation, now the apps can get built on top of that, right? That's like the Facebook, the Snapchat, all the different apps that get built that you don't even know you're using blockchain. But that's kind of where we're at. And, and you know, Polygon's been working on it for the last few years. And, and they really have kind of, I think, unlocked the secret to, to what we're going to see in Web3. Johnny Crypto, I know you had some additional comments. With the Bank of Italy partnering with Polygon and Fireblocks to lead institutions into tokenized assets, I don't think it's very long until other European nations quickly follow, but we got 476 listeners here. Guys, we have a deal on this show. If we get above 300 likes on any one of these videos, Johnny Crypto's jumping into the lake for you guys. So smash that like button to make it happen. But Johnny, what do you think? Bank of Italy, is this the first of a larger wave? First of all, I don't know where these deals come up with. They just come like, uh, I think Abs makes these I make them. The I make these deals. Yeah, no, you can't. You got to understand how a deal works. Two people have to agree to a deal. You can't just say it. And I speak for the deal. agency. No, it doesn't work. That way, <laughs> but let me, let me get to the real article, okay? So first of all, when you're talking about the Bank of Italy doing anything, let me just say this, okay, I'm Italian. Italians do two things great. We grow great food and we make great pizza. All right, that's it. Don't get excited when the Italians are doing anything else, you know, about driving technology. Not a strong suit for Italians. So I am not going to get all excited about the Bank of Italy doing anything. Um, but on a serious note, it, it certainly is encouraging for Polygon to know that they are expanding out. Why they want Italy, I have no idea. <laughs> not a smart place to start. But nonetheless, it's always good when your technology is being looked at by countries. So uh, we'll, we'll see how this thing plays out in the long run. But I think Gonzo kind of talked about it, um, the benefits of, of being able to build on a layer two and, 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 and how we'll start to see newer apps coming off that in the long run. That really, truly is the benefit here. Like I talk about all the time on the show, nobody cares how stuff works. Nobody cares that right now I'm talking to you through a computer. It's living in TCP IP and a bunch of other stuff that's happening in the background for it to work. Just the way nobody's going to give a crap of how those apps work. But yes, they will be built off of blockchain technologies. And the real question is how that is that going to impact the cryptocurrencies that we're invested in? So uh, to me, that's the part that I think gives us all hope that we're building and investing into the rails of the future system. Thank you, Johnny. And guys, this is the video you've been waiting for. As yesterday, we witnessed for the first time ever, Congress had recovered non-human pilots from UFOs but we're not taking it for what it is. So we're going to have an open discussion. Don't judge this video just yet. Here's about 40 seconds out of Congress. Here we go. Do you believe our government has been in contact with intelligence extraterrestrials? 
something I can't discuss in public setting. Um, okay, I can't ask when you think this occurred. <laughs> um, if you believe we have crashed craft, uh, stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft? As I've stated publicly already in my News Nation interview, uh, biologics came with some of these recoveries. Yeah. Um, were they, I guess, human or non-human biologics? Non-human, and that was the assessment of people uh, with direct knowledge on the program I talked to that are currently still on the program. Well, here's what I'll say about this whole ordeal before we kick it over and around to the group. Of course, aliens show up the second we have the technology to implement these things, right? I'm 25 years old. I'm sure this narrative is only beginning. When it comes to central bank digital currencies, that's fine. When it comes to aliens, that's a much bigger topic, Johnny. And it's I think it's something we should focus on just briefly in a lighthearted sense. Don't fall for the game. Stay focused. Don't be distracted by these types of things. But I do think it's worth noting. If you believe in aliens, put a one in the live chat. If you don't, put a two. I'm interested to hear from our team. But Gonzo, let's start with you. Do you think this video, does it change your perspective on what's really happening? I mean, for the purposes of what's happening in the Congress thing and that whole setting and what they're doing, uh, it, like people are saying, it's a distraction, right? While, while they kind of move the financial system, they get people distracted. It's like when, uh, you know, uh, Will Smith uh, slapped black, uh, Chris Rock, right? But- on a different note, do I believe in aliens? Yeah, absolutely. To think that we are the only species to live in this vast universe that we live in is very egocentric. And so I, I do believe that there are aliens. I do believe that there, are, there is life outside of our universe and other universes, right? But what the government's doing right there, what you're seeing, isn't talking about that. That is just a distraction. Guys, when I am talking about aliens, I'm talking about physical aliens. Some people in the live chat were asking, interdimensional aliens do not count, guys. We got to see them physically. But, Johnny, floor is yours. You know, I mean, let's face it. We know that Area 51 has been around for a long time and this talk about, you know, the crash and all that. And the reality is, as Gonzo said, the funny thing is if you were on their planet and we made it to their planet, they would call us aliens. So, I mean, just the reality is <laughs> an alien doesn't mean it's, you know, green looking, got two eyes and a big head. Who knows? what it is it, it could just be somebody that's a, something that's a very slightly different species of what we look like who freaking knows right at the end of the day <laughs> but it's kind of hard to not agree with gonzo that in this vast universe that something else doesn't exist out there but the reality is i agree with all you guys it's a distraction i'm not going to talk anymore about it i want to focus on crypto agreed mario we got to get a take from you i also agree it's a distraction but i'm going to ask you a little something different i guess one of our listeners referenced project Bluebeam, and now we finally have the technology to put these things in the sky and pretend as if they're real. I'm not saying that aliens aren't real. What I am saying is this is the first time in human history we have the capability to fake these things. And coincidentally, the show turns on at the perfect time from Congress. So I just wanted to get some thoughts. It's really – it's not a personal debate because you can take it in a in a religious sense. If you believe in the Bible, you believe in that perspective, then you would believe there are no aliens. So I don't want it to be that type of take, but you give me your thoughts. Yeah, well, I mean, John Crypto said that we couldn't discuss it anymore. So, but uh, no, I, I personally think that I'm, I'm just kidding. I personally, I personally believe there are other forms of life outside of this planet. Um, that's just my my belief. Now, they could possibly be human. I mean, who knows that if thousands of years ago we weren't super evolved and we made it outside of this planet before whatever happened to the planet, and you know, and 
Guys, we'll find out. End this thing. I just realized we got 10 seconds left. So I'm going to say thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you, Mario. Thank you, Gonzo. And thank you to Johnny Crypto. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And we'll see you guys in 23 hours.